egos don't do very well in a successful tech company because it's this notion and just the the spirit of these companies is that a a good idea can come from anyone. And that's what I love about being in finance, specifically in tech, is because you are empowered with so much data and to then be trusted to like lift out insights from that. Something that you report on today in a week, in a month, could be done completely differently by the business. Like you really drive a lot of important decisions in this space. That's Christina Bidorf and what inspires her work as a senior finance manager at a tech company. And this is Phoebe Drummond with Webcast. So Christina, welcome to Webcast. I'm so excited to have you. There's a few goals that me and Christina talked about that I want to get across to everyone today. She is the senior finance manager at Sprout Social. We're going to talk about what Sprout is and also the fact that there are finance positions that you can do not involved in banking. And she has one of them. She does it very well. It's different and it's similar. We're going to talk about all those nuances. I also want to talk about her international background and something that she brought up that was important to her and therefore is important to this podcast, to this episode, her experience on Arupe and her experience through service. So Christina, like I said, welcome. If you want to introduce yourself a little bit more. That's an incredible introduction. Thank you, Phoebe. So my name is Christina Bidor. Pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, As Phoebe mentioned, I'm the finance manager at Sprout Social. And what Sprout does, it's uh, our main product is a social media management platform. Um, Our mission is to champion human and human social by bringing brands and people together. Um, And just in a nutshell, how we do that at Sprout is we combine um, businesses, all all their social media profiles across all the different platforms into Sprout. Um, And then it's utilized by the entire business from social media managers and marketers, the customer care agents, um, because we directly integrate with platforms like Zendesk. Uh, It's used by our sales teams to turn conversations into purchases or create conversations with people in social so that they become advocates and potentially volunteers for, let's say, for example, nonprofit organizations. It's also used by analysts and strategists and people in engineering departments or product departments to gain insight on industry and really use that feedback to incorporate within their companies and their products. And our current client base is about uh, 30,000 customers Um, that spans all across all different kinds of industries, um, whether it's agencies, big enterprise companies, or small businesses. Some examples of companies that use Sprout are Trek Bikes. Okay. Um, Grammarly is another one. I am a proud Grammarly Pro member because I think so. (laughs) And I also use Grammarly, but I'm glad that you pay for it because I'm too cheap (laughs) to pay for mine. Uh, solo stove with this like new air vented um, wood burner. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. We have schools like the London School of Economics using us. The city wow. of Vegas. So it's being used in like very specific like institutions to like cities and multiple different departments within cities. Um, and we also have nonprofits like Volunteer Match and Don- Donors Choose also utilize the platform. And so 
you can you explain a little bit about what your role is and how that's connected to the product side of it or like who you interact with on a day-to-day basis are you on your own do you have a team yeah that's that's a great question and this is a great uh, opportunity for me to do a plug um so yeah i'm all about it I, I i try to reach out to as many bc alums as i can that i can find on linkedin but uh, my team is, we have three people in our corporate finance team, or we, it's kind of interchangeable, corporate finance, fp and um, I have an analyst in my team, and I'm actually hiring another analyst. So if there's anyone out there with a couple of years of experience that want to work in tech finance, please reach out as soon as possible. Um, but my, our role really is, um, we are the financial business partner to all the different leaders across the, the company. So we are working with sales, marketing, our people team, our product team, our engineering team, support, legal, office operations, um, to really surface any we say financial data, but we also are kind of the go-to people when they need any kind of need to make any data-driven decisions. Okay. Um, we're kind of in the front lines when it comes to, hey, I'm really curious about how quickly um, we are converting application, like applicants to new hires. We'll understand kind of what the underlying issues are, where the opportunities are, and then we'll go into the different systems where this data is stored, lift it out, run analysis, and work with our different partners to understand what needs to be surfaced out and what kind of insights can we actually pull ourselves. Um, So anything financial or data-driven with the business is really um, our, our wheelhouse. And you, you made some notes. You talked about budgeting, planning, forecasting. Yeah. How much does that play into it? Because it really seems like you are a jack of all trades when it comes to this. For sure. I mean, it like for, for the most part, if you ask someone in corporate finance at any company, I, I think the, the better question to ask is like, what don't you do okay. depending on the size and team? Mainly because, again, you're kind of the centralizing source that has full visibility across the business. So each department will have analysts, right, that that can crank through data and, and kind of run the specific reporting for their for their teams or departments. But finance is a very unique, is in a unique position to be able to see activity across the entire company. Okay. Um, so kind of uh, your question around um, forecasting and, and planning. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's the foundation of, of a really healthy finance team because then we can provide guidance to where we can make investments, right? And so as part of our regular um, job description, we help the different departments budget for for the year ahead. And then we also do long range budgeting and forecasting where we're doing 18 months, three years, five years um, forecasting models for for different teams. Accounting teams like rely on us to really understand what what the needs are in the business. Where where do we have space for investments? Where do we need to pull back in certain spots? Um, because we do have that full visibility, and through that partnering that we do with all these different departments, we understand where their priorities are, mm-hmm. and we make sure that it's incorporated in the financial plan 
for the business. So I, I think that's what makes it really unique and cool to be able to do it at a like a corporate level is being able to centralize that um, and kind of funnel through all the different priorities and making sure that it's in, included within our financial plans as we we look forward. And walk me through your thought process once someone comes to you on a team or if your team identifies a really cool investment opportunity. Yeah. What's the first thing or, or yeah, the process to go from that idea to seeing, is this viable? Is this worth it? And how are we going to implement it? That's a great question. And that's one of my favorite things about um, my job and like our team's role is um, we first always start with an abundance of curiosity. Um, where we are always wanting, and you have to be a curious person that wants to learn what is this market like? What is marketing doing to help with X? What is sales doing differently to do that? Um, and these are my favorite projects is when people come to us and say like, hey, we have this idea of investing more in this specific team to help with X. And so I'm like, that sounds great. And so the, the entire process really starts first with collaboration and trying to really understand kind of what is bringing this question? Like, what is the reason behind the why? Um, And digging in a little bit deeper, understanding what the lay of the land of what has been done before and what data is available for us to lift. Um, We never want to do any kind of duplicative work. Uh, We always want to leverage people that know more than us. And I think that's the key thing too, from from a finance role is like, you know that you you are not the person that knows the answers, but you are the person that can ask the questions and that you can help guide direction and kind of identify a focus point. Um, but it's really just first understanding, then understanding kind of where the data sources are, who do you need to talk to, what kind of questions you need to ask. Um, and then the, I think the number one thing, like after you've kind of scoped out if this is a legitimate kind of opportunity to kind of get into and spend more time in, is what's the return. Um, And I think that's what's really cool about our role is then being able to prove out whether or not something has given us the returns that we're looking for. So whether that's, um, I'll I'll give you an example of something that we did at Sprout. We uh, had an investment asked to put towards a specific team that's focused on onboarding our customers. Um, And and the thought was that it was going to, help them learn more about our product and be more likely to grow within our platform. So add more users, add more functionality if they were onboarded, um, onboarded more. So if we were looking at making X amount of investment in that, we had to then follow up to see like how we can track whether the returns were coming in. And so part of the work that my team does is going into all the, identifying the customers that received that investment and then tracking their journey through time to see if they're performing better than people that didn't get that investment. And so it goes well beyond just, it started off financial because it came, you know, the ask was, can I have more money to invest in X? And then we go into more operational metrics to then tie it back to whether or not there was a return. Um, And obviously the operational metric also has ties to us making more money because that means that they canceled or, they downgraded their accounts less. Um, but it's really interesting to kind of tie all these different components together. But to answer your question, we asked the right questions 
find the data sources for it. But most importantly, we identify metrics to then make sure that we're getting the return on investment on those um, on those additional asks. And I guess you're probably seasoned at it now, but when I hear this, I think, where do you start with finding the data? Do you have set yeah. places that you go to look for each or is, is each place like you, you mentioned in the notes, which I love, like there's no template to what you do. And so it, it, it requires a lot of creativity, which I think is an undervalued part of what corporate finance and what financial managers do. Yeah. I, I think what's, um, I know probably what I'm saying can can go over above a lot of people's heads, like especially if you haven't really dipped your toes into it, but it all comes down to really fundamental things. Like how do you get even started? Again, the questions, right? So when you start in any new role, you know, you try to understand the systems that are in place, like, mm -hmm. and, and from there you have a really good foundation. And again, like, I think someone in a financial has to have a lot of humility and understand that you are not the person with the answers. You're yeah. just the person with the questions. And so by working collaboratively and asking questions all the time to like to the people that you're working with to try to solve whatever challenge it is, they're the ones that are going to be able to tell you. And that's when you kind of step in from either, you know, your knowledge from school or from past experiences with how to analyze data, you know, like, create different tables, create different like lookups, whatever it is to kind of get to the, the end product that you want to get to. That's when that comes in and you layer that on. But for the most part, you're leveraging the knowledge of a lot of other people. It's not something that you know the answers to, but then it's just, you have to be a data gap. You have to be an information yeah. gatherer and then you can apply kind of your more technical, tactical skills on top to start lifting out like the insights that you're that you're looking to get. And you mentioned two things there that I love that you lift those insights and you figure out how to do all this from one, what we're doing in school to past experience. Yeah. For you, that past experience was Deloitte before you went to Sprout and that was your first position mm -hmm. out of BC. Will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, totally. I mean, everyone everyone knows us. If you're your C summer, those those big four companies oh, really yes. come, come after you hard. And I do really, I, I do have to say, it was an incredible experience to start off that way. And it's not it's not necessarily for everyone, but for me, it was the right way to start. Mainly because I was looking for more structure. I always um, say that. I yeah. always say that. I think that's really really valuable starting your career. Yeah, for sure. And and not everyone needs that. Uh, so that, that that's not necessarily the road for success for everybody. But for myself, I knew I wanted something that has a little bit more structure that I was going to be able to continue kind of my education more formally. And those big shops do have that, you know, they have, you know, week long, weeks long training programs um, before you even set foot in front of a client um, to kind of level set everyone's expectations. Uh, obviously, that also means that you are doing it with hundreds and thousands of other people yeah. that are just like you. So it sometimes becomes difficult because there's this lesson of like humility in the sense that like I'm one of many. Yeah. But then there's always <laughs> this constant thing that you have to remind yourself that I am I bring something unique to the table and um, I, I can present and lead with that, too, um, was really interesting in, with, with that experience, but hands down, it gave me a good lay of the land. And again, going back to this idea of curiosity, to be a good, like, and I started off at Deloitte as a public um, accountant, so an auditor. Okay. Um, 
it was constantly just questions. And, and for the most part, people were very annoyed with my questions because you, you don't. I think you need to their do companies. next time around. <laughs> you're, you're good with the questions. Yeah. But um, you have to inherently be okay asking questions in those situations because you literally, you know, you get put, you're a 21 year old, a 22 year old being put in an industry that you've never known about. And again, you're not expected to know about it, but you have to then ask a lot of questions so that you can find meaning behind the work that you're doing, because it's a lot of um, detailed work, right, uh, in those fields. But I had a great experience. It really provided me that structure uh, to then continue learning, have a good foundation on like financials, how transactions are being booked, because mm -hmm. that's pretty that's pretty important like in in my role is being able to also answer questions from business partners about like wait why did i get hit with this type of transaction how was that calculated being able to know how you know the accounting side works to it is really helpful too and then was your first position after deloitte with sprout um as a senior manager or did you work your way up a little bit from there Oh, hard. Some some good work went into that. Um, but from from Deloitte, so I finished my career there as a senior auditor. Um, I actually I thought I needed more again structure um, after Deloitte because I was like I don't know if I, I can kind of just be an internal accountant at a place that maybe don't doesn't have as much programming or anything like that. And a lot of Deloitte alumni ended up at the company that I went to next called CNA. It's a commercial insurance company okay. um, based here in Chicago. Um, and so I knew a lot of people from Deloitte that ended up there. And so it seemed like a good transition okay. to an internal company uh, doing like accounting finance internally. Um, and I did that. But, you know, soon after, I think a lot of people will find in their careers, you, you're faced with a question on whether or not you want to stay in a specific industry or not. And insurance is one of those industries that's very specific. Um, and after a couple of years there, I did corporate FBA um, and financial reporting at CNA. I actually, how I landed at Sprout goes back to Boston College. Love it. Um, people will probably be calling me to, to, to be like, and so how will you show your appreciation to Boston College? <laughs> After by making money, <laughs> yeah, production. Um, but honestly, it was from a mutual a mutual friend of my husband and I, Jim Conti, also a Boston College alum, was working at Sprout Social already. He was employee fifty um, at Sprout, so he was he was in in the earlier days. And actually, our senior vice president of operations, Rachel Fenning, is also another Boston College grad that he was working with. And when I was looking for my next opportunity, I actually um, took a month to reach out to other BC alums and like personal friends, family friends um, in a variety of different industries to kind of understand what my next move was going to be, because I knew I had to be very intentional. You know, when I left Deloitte, I didn't I didn't have I tried to use my connections as a way to kind of guide me. And then I knew in my next step, I had to be intentional okay. about what I wanted to pursue um, and really be you know, a subject knowledge expert and whatever I landed in next and put, put in that time and investment. Um, and I talked to people in hospitality, in nonprofit, in banking, and I talked to Jim Conti, 
um, our friend who was working at Sprout about opportunities in the tech space in Chicago. And um, at the time, it was just a conversation about what the landscape looked like, what a career in finance would look like, because he was in recruiting at the time. And there was no opportunities available. But three weeks later, he goes, one of the three people in our um, finance team put in their notice. Is this something that would be interesting to you? And I was like, I I would be interested. Um, and so Why did you say that. Yeah. I, wow. The timing is quite impeccable. Um, and so I I got to meet the team and understand what their needs are and whether it would be a good fit for them. Um, and I started off at Sprout as a finance and accounting manager, and that basically meant do everything under the sun. I uh, deposited checks at the bank. Um, I deposited checks on my on my desk. I applied payments to invoices. Like I did, I mean, the, you have you have to be open to doing everything. Yeah. Um, and then as our team grew, um, as we built out our accounting function, we hired our CFO. Then came the opportunity to help build out a true finance function, and so that's when I moved from uh, like a hybrid finance accounting role to a true finance like okay. finance FP&A role. Um, and then from there, you know, as time goes on, I got promoted to to where I'm at now. And so ask anyone these days that's recruiting, um, the buzzword of the buzz phrase of the year is the intersection of tech and finance. That's all anyone <laughs> wants to talk about. What does that really mean? <laughs> it seems like you'd be a good person to explain that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I, I knew what uh, someone would mean by that. <laughs> right. Well, it seems like you just have a broader interest in tech. If you want to talk about that a little sure. bit. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it was really interesting actually going into a more at the, at the time Sprout. When I joined Sprout in 2015, we had just gotten our Series C. Um, and then, it's, you know, and then there was Series E and IPO, but it was very much kind of a mature startup. Um, and it was interesting because coming from CNA, there literally was a floor dedicated to IT developers. Um, and it, it had its own even finance FP&A partner to monitor like their activity and kind of track like, again, the investment and the returns from, from that group. Because it was literally a floor of people that developed software for the company. Like they developed and maintained the software internally. And that's still pretty true for a lot of big enterprise shops uh, and companies where they'll create their own tools. And I think what's really cool about the tech space now is because the the barriers of entry are, are really low. Like you have an idea, you have people that can code. Yeah. You can make, you can make, a, you can actually you provide a solution. Yeah. You provide a solution to a real need. Like that seems like someone should have, you know, just like uh, in QVC, you know, when you think about, you see these products and you're like, oh my God, like that seems so simple. Like great analogy. Yeah. I wish I could have made that. Um, and that has really high barriers of entry, right? Like the, the patents, like creating molds, creating actual physical products yeah. takes a lot of effort, time and money. And in the tech world, what's awesome is if you have an idea, again, like that creativity and you just have like that hustle and you want to, you're curious about something, like you can make it. And I think that's what really attracts me uh, to the to the tech space is that there is really no limitations, but your creativity when it comes to, and, and the same is true once you do enter a tech company. 
Um, organizations are really flat, which I, I, I love. It's like keep, anyone can come up with a great idea. Egos don't do very well in a successful tech company because it's this notion and just the, the spirit of these companies is that a, a good idea can come from anyone. And I, that's what I love about being in finance, specifically in tech, is because you are empowered with so much data and to then be trusted to like lift out insights from that. Something that you report on today in a week, in a month, could be done completely differently by the business. Like you really drive a lot of important decisions in this space. Um, because again, it came from this idea that anyone could have a good idea, right? And so I think that culture is kind of just nurtured um, in this environment a lot, a lot easier. Um, so that, I think that's really my attraction to tech space. What I love specifically in the tech space in Chicago is like there are in my humble opinion, there are less egos. Um, there's a little less pressure than a lot of other environments. It's uh, It does stereotypically, uh, the tech companies here are very stereotypically like Midwestern roots, right? Okay. Like, and so um, there's yeah, a lot I of- had, um Christine LaFrance from N1 Finance yeah. in Chicago too. I had her on the podcast. She's great. And I love that episode that you did with her. And I actually connected with her on LinkedIn as soon as I, yeah, as soon as I listened to the podcast. And so I hope I get to connect with her in person in the near future. Um, Let's do a little bit of a 180 from tech and um, financial planning and analysts to your experience on Arupe. I know that was important to talk about. I definitely want to mention that. I'm not 100% familiar with the organization myself. So if you could yeah. speak to everyone about what it is, what you got from it, if you would recommend it, how it's like benefited you in your life and your career. Well, okay. I'll start off with my life. That's how I met my husband, Pat, um, was through our Arupe International uh, Service Immersion Trip in Kingston, Jamaica. Um how I can't even begin to start like how incredible of an experience it was. Like, first of all, I owe my fam, like the family that I know of today is obviously came from that Arupe trip, but um, it provided me an invaluable perspective of, of life, of the world um, that I'll always, I'll always take with me. Um, but generally it also kind of threw me into more service in VC. And so after the trip, so this is the, the Rupe, uh, service immersion trips are all through the campus ministry. You do an incredible job really facilitating these trips. Um, and it's a really small group of, of people that go into it. I think there's like 10 or 12 okay. people that are selected for each trip. And what I loved about the program, I don't know if they still do this now, but like four to six months before you even go on the trip. And it usually happens, I think, during spring break time. Um, months before the trip, you get together with your group and you discuss the U.S. relationship with a particular country that you're um, that you're going to be serving in, understanding culture and just more of like background on history, on the country's history and the people and like the institutions that you're going to be helping. And so you really go into the experience educated, better educated, I would say, um, 
about the people that you're going to be working hand in hand with and, and serving, which I thought was really unique. Uh, it showed like that we were, it was just like, we were just not putting in the time, but we were putting in like a true effort and an investment in the people that we were, who we were serving with, um, which was really cool. And again, it threw me into the world of service at BC. Um, after that, we did um, both Pat and I signed up for Urban Immersion, which happened over winter break, where you um, get placed um, in, a, in a variety of different nonprofits in the city of Boston. And you live actually, I don't think BC does this anymore. You stay at a hostel during really? that entire time. Yeah. And you uh, and the challenge presented to us is that we should not be spending any money during that time. And so it was, we were staying at the hostel, doing service. Um, we would uh, get an allotted budget to go get groceries and we would make a meal together back at the hostel um, and like do reflection and stuff like that from the different placements that we were at. And that experience is what led me to my summer internship at Haley House, where okay. I lived. Yeah, I lived. Um, that's how I was introduced to Haley House. And the summer before I started at Deloitte, I lived um, above the soup kitchen in Back Bay. Um, and I did all of the meal services uh, for Haley House while also doing some like financial accounting internship tasks for them. Wow. Um, that summer, I had to help them price their baked goods. <laughs> wow. That, that is probably like a, a time you look back on, you're like, I really had to grow up then. It was, it was tough. I mean, like, and the people, the stories that you learn during those experiences, again, like you ask a lot of questions, you get to know a lot of people. Um, it was, you know, knowing that I had this full-time job offer at, at the end of this, I was living in community. I was living on top of the soup kitchen and, uh, you know, my, my housemates were, were through all walks of life, different experiences, like, you know, different ages, um, to kind of absorb a lot of the, the, the stories and, and some for all of the customer, like the clients that we had at Haley house, like their hardship um, yeah. was definitely tough, but again, it provided me such great perspective going into like, again, my career and in my life. And I, I always say this, that experience is what taught me how to be like scrappy and be able to be a, this jack of all trades is that is during my time in service. Um, because often, right, if you've ever had experience with this, if you ever go to a placement where they need a volunteer, they just throw you in there. You're like, can you chop, can you chop these vegetables? Can you, um, can you pack all this stuff up? Can you set up this? They're, they don't have time to set you through uh, this program or like guidebook on how to do the job. You like jump in there you meet the clients, you know, you meet like people that who you're helping and um, you're kind of your true authentic self like from the get because there's really no time to overthink it. Um, and I always look back at that experience as what really has empowered me to kind of jump into situations, feeling confident that I can just like, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I, I'll, fig I'll figure it out. I got, I got you. It's, it's all good. And I'll talk to whoever you need to talk to. You need me to talk to. Um, um, something you said that I, I thought was super cool is that you were just surrounded by so many different types of people. Was that the first time yeah. at the Haley House that you were really immersed in that? Or I have that you, was your international school or boarding school in Jakarta? Like, were you surrounded by people from multiple different cultures and backgrounds there as well? 
Yeah, I think I was really lucky. So my dad was an expat for this company, Procter & Gamble. And so they, it was not a boarding school. It was like a regular school. Okay. It was an international school, which was um, mainly because like, you know, if you don't know the local language and like the curriculum is different from like mm-hmm. your home country or where you're going to be going to university and stuff like that, everyone kind of went to international schools. Um, and it was incredible. Like, you know, 50 different nationalities at any given point in time, every religion that you can think of, you know, like our cafeteria food was like Japanese, Indonesian, like Chinese, and also a froyo shop, you know, like, yeah, sushi um, and froyo. <laughs> why not? High school, so normal. Um, but it was an incredible experience. I mean, my, my best friends from there, we were, I'm still really close to and now I have homes to visit there once in by Cleveland, um, once in Frankfurt, another one is in Sydney. And um, it definitely opened up my world to different people. Um, I do have to say from a service perspective, I think it gave me a, a, a better understanding of like the wide range of experiences people could have, because even though we were all coming from different cultures when we were in the international school, right, we were living very similar experiences. Mm-hmm at that, at that point in time. And the experiences I've had in service really gave me, um, the opportunity to learn more stories about different ways people have come to where they're at, you know, in their life that has now brought us together. Um, but yeah, it it was really, it was a great experience to kind of throw me into this world of like, there's so many different people to celebrate out there. Um, Yeah. And I so how long it. did you live there? And I lived there myself for five years. Okay. And before um, living in Jakarta, my family was in Bangkok, Thailand okay. for five. Um, and then we had a, a small stint in Guangzhou in China. Um, and then before that, the Philippines. And then I was thrown off to the Northeast Right in time for winter. Oh, <laughs> My first real winter in Boston. <laughs> and no gloves. <laughs> you like, didn't even know. No. And I think that was also another thing. I like talking about this resilience and just being scrappy about it. Like my parents didn't have a handbook. You know, like most yeah. most people here when they send their kids off to university, you know, they have these are the packing lists. Like this, these mm-hmm. are things that people typically do to send That's off their true. kids to school. Yeah. yeah. Um, people, my parents grew up in the Philippines and most people like live at home while they go to university. So this idea of sending someone away was very new to them. Um, so for the most part, I mean, I think they really embedded a lot of characteristics that made me successful in being able to navigate this new environment. But logistically, I had to really do it all myself. Like there was a point in time where I was like, it started snowing and I'm like, this jacket that I bought is not waterproof. Like I need to get down to a store (laughs) and like get this for myself. Um, Setting up my bank accounts because I didn't have bank accounts in America. Um, Didn't have my own credit card out here. Um, And so I had international credit cards that sometimes wouldn't work. And so I had to go down to um, Cleveland Circle, the good old Bank of America, to open up my very first bank account in the States. Um, so it's like stuff like that, like that I had to kind of start to navigate. 
And that that's so amazing. And I think your stories are resiliency and being unafraid in the face of something new. We all need to take with us. And that's something that not that you don't get as much or hear as much, but you don't get as much and hear as much, honestly. No, and on and here's the thing. There there is a, a, a way for you to do this. Like, you know, when find things that bring you joy. And I think that's what Boston College really um gives us is find things that are giving you the most joy because ultimately those are the things that will give you the most confidence right like that's what reinforces um all the bright spots in your life and that's what makes you a confident person that then can tackle any new challenge